0: The first of a podcast series of bush country racing legends. And I reckon it's important that you kind of, uh, I suppose, encapsulate uh, the life and times of some of these legendary people that have been involved in the racing industry for such a long period of time. And one of those blokes is a bloke by the name of David Radish Drever. And uh, he trains out of Geelong. He's an ex-jockey. And uh, if you haven't heard of Radish, well, you've never been in the horse racing caper because this bloke is an absolute legend. Radish, how are you, buddy? Good, thanks, Matty. Now, mate, can I ask first and foremost, where did the nickname Radish come from?
1: Uh, well, I was very unfortunate to be born with orange hair. Not red, <laughs> right. orange.
0: Because it's grey now, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's grey now, but it was orange. Well... When I first went to school at uh, Lake Borlack, I reckon I had 40 fights my first day. And I said, no, nah, no, nah, jacking up. I'm not going to go to school. Nah, bugger this. But there's one good thing about it. It did teach me to fight anyway. That's one thing. <laughs> so I, she- run, I run a few seconds, but I, <laughs> I did learn to fight eventually. And then uh, Dad got an offer to go to Tarang when I was nine. And we went to Tarang and I went to some, uh, St. Thomas's School at Tarang. And on the back of the sun in those days was an old uh, comic strip about radish and ginger megs and whatever <laughs> to do with the horse. And this old horse, you know, was an old ribby old thing, you know, and, and it was a real great comic strip, you know. Everybody knew about it. Yep. So a particular bloke said, you look like ginger megs that rode the road radish so they said oh we're going to call you radish so that was, <laughs> and that and was stuck it. to me for the rest of my life yeah
0: now can I just take you back to your first day of school at Lake Bolak so you're a fiery redhead yeah uh, so you, you honestly you spent the day fighting was it a little bit of street cred there at Lake Bolak High
1: School or what was there a little bit of what it was it the street cred you are after like the credibility no 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 uh, dad was a very very athletic man right uh all year round he used to wear an athletic singlet. Yep. Never ever have a shirt on apart from when he went to the races or he went so out. So he's somewhere. fit and Yeah, he's fit and, and, yep. and he was a very good footballer, a very good sports person. Yep. And uh I was probably taught never to take a step back. Yep. But uh yeah, I couldn't cop it about my ginger hair, you know, I couldn't <laughs> <laughs> And it was. It was bright red. You've got no idea what it was. I didn't even like it myself <laughs> I cannot imagine you with the bright red hair. Oh, it was unbelievable. And fleckles. <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, I'd be one of the worst kids you would have ever, ever seen in your life.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. And yeah. I
1: don't blame him for having a gulp.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You've turned out all right, mate. <laughs> that is for sure. We, we just spoke about your dad, Fred. Um, yep. Tell us about, uh, you know, how you ended up in Tarang. And, and tell us about, I suppose, Fred's training days.
1: Well, uh, Dad started off in Lake Bollock. He came there as uh Captain and coach of the football club, and we started training there.
0: This is at Tarang.
1: No, this is at Lake Bolick. At Lake Bollock yeah. At Lake Bolak. and uh, when I was about nine, Dad got an offer to go to Tarang Racecourse to be the curator, yeah, and train on the track, yep. And they wanted a big name, and back in those days, there was possibly Kevin Lapperty, Fred Reaver, uh George Randall. Pat Kelly, uh, all those sort of blokes. They all had numbers of horses. And Dad, at that particular stage when I was nine-year-old, he had about 30, 35 horses here, which was huge back in those days. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: But for one particular owner, I know that we had 10. That was uh, a bloke by the name of Jimmy Rogers. He had 10 horses in work. And Godfrey Wilson, who owned Worry Symbol and all those sort of horses, he probably had about eight or ten horses in our stable, so that covered nearly 20 horses for a start. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, that were the good times. Dad was a, a very, very good feeder. Yep. And his horses always looked immaculate in condition. It's a lot easier these days because all the foods are mixed and nobody has to do anything. But Dad used to be a cup full of this and a cup full of that. and
0: The molasses. Yeah, and-
1: molasses and... Uh, all the seeds and grains and whatever, it would be a cup full of this and it all had to be mixed up and all the rest, it had to be done right, you know. So probably ahead of his time a little bit? Oh, well, he probably was. He probably was, Matty. He had some good horses. Won a lot of races. You know, like, we had horses that won 30 races, you know, or 35 races, you know. Yeah, um,
0: so took up the role at the Tarang Racing Club and moved the, the, the stable of 35. Yeah. 35 at Tarang,
1: that would have been massive. Yeah, no, it was at the time, yeah. Yeah, they built new stables for us when we first went there. And uh, so Dad and uh, Mum... She was, uh, she used to look after all the jockey's rooms and everything that had to be done. You know, And that's Nellie? Yeah, Nellie on the other side. And Freddie looked after the racecourse and the grounds. So and you, that's you, how they first went there. And yeah.
0: you virtually grew up at that race club?
1: Grew up at the race club and haven't shifted. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody said, why? <laughs> well, I said, uh, when I went to get me pension, they asked me, they said, what address are you? And I said, 40 Kilomette Road Terrain. They said, "Fred how long have you been there? I said, Sixty years. They said, Nobody lives in one place for sixty years. I said, You've got no money to go anywhere else, you know? <laughs> <do."
0: laughs> oh, you've obviously uh you loved your time though. And I know your mum Nelly was a lovely lady, uh, you know, heard some wonderful stories about yeah, Nelly, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and, and, and obviously your dad, Fred, and that as well. But what are some of the the, the childhood memories that stand out for you, Rad?
1: As far as
0: just with your well, mum and dad, you know, like some of the well, fun dad, times you guys dad had. Well, dad
1: was very hard. Uh, old school? Mum, mum, yeah, real old school. Mum was a uh, school teacher. Yep. She was a very good athletic. Uh, dad, you done a day's work. But he was a very fair man. Yep. But he was very hard on me. You know what I mean? We had about six or seven people working for his other jockeys. Uh, there was... About four or five other jockeys and whatever, but I got all the hard yards, yep. you know? Yeah, And...
0: Uh, wasn't going to give you the easy... Nah,
1: way. I wasn't going to get it easy. He was a lot easier to the other people that worked for us than what he was to me. Yeah. But a spade was a spade with him, and uh, he was a super hard worker. Yeah. Uh, you know, Johnny Sadler and all that, I'd tell you, they couldn't believe the amount of work. Now, back in those days... Uh, Horses that had come in after been working and sweating, there's no way known he'd hose a horse. Yeah. Every horse had to be rubbed dry. Yeah, right. And then brushed over and disinfected every yeah. day. Yeah, and right. And we had 35. Yeah. And I'll guarantee he would have rubbed 30 of them dry. Yeah, yeah, so he was hands-on. Yeah, he was hands-on yep, yeah. hands in everything that he done, you know? Yeah. He hardly ever, ever went away from the play. matter of fact, I, all the years that I knew him, I don't think he ever, ever had a holiday. Fair no, income. No, never yep. ever had a holiday. Yep. He was there with the horses every day.
0: Just live for the industry, live, live for the horses. Live for the industry,
1: yeah. How many like, winners did he train? Oh, look, Matty, it'd be... Hundreds. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, yeah. Yeah. He had a lot of horses over the time.
0: Yeah. Who would you kind of, uh, you know, if you were to line him up with someone as a trainer now?
1: Oh well, I wanted him to go to Melbourne. Yeah, right. He, he was asked by Flemington to go to Melbourne, but he yep. wouldn't shift. No, yep. he didn't want to go away from the country. Love the country life. And, and... you know, even as a footballer, yeah, uh, Geelong, and uh, oh, there was about seven or eight clubs chasing him. Yeah, and he said he'd go down on the Saturday and play, but he wouldn't go. He he wouldn't go down and train for the week. Yeah. He wouldn't go to Melbourne He didn't for want week. to leave the horses. No, he didn't want, well, he didn't want to leave home. He yep. didn't want to leave the country. Yep. He wouldn't go to Melbourne. He said, I'll go down and play on a Saturday, and they wouldn't have that, so he never, ever done it. Unreal. But he won, oh, uh, well, he was captain of uh, ARAT. Yeah. Uh, when Kaji Greaves coach. Yes. And uh, he was the uh, representative in the team of the century. Unreal. In uh, Wimmera League. Yeah. And he was a representative of the team of the century in the Lake Bullock League.
0: So, an above average footballer, mate.
1: An above average footballer.
0: Yeah. And there's so many of those footballers getting around, isn't there, that, you know, back in the day, you know, they didn't want to leave their roots. They didn't yep. want to go down and have a yep. crack. Uh, you know, yep. how many of them would there have been, seriously? Oh,
1: look, you could, yeah. It'd be unbelievable the amount. Oh, you know, look, I remember Clem Mead when I was playing with Tarrant. He was one of the best ruckmen you could rove to you ever, ever seen. Yeah. But they wanted him to go to Geelong. He was a little bit hesitant about going to Geelong. Yeah. But anyway, he went down and played in a practice match. And Polly Palmer's quote, he said, he's the best ruckman I've ever rucked against. Fair income. Yeah. And he, he, he didn't go. He yep. ended up, he never went. So just played a couple of rugby games yep. and ended up back at Terrain. Yeah. Ended up back at Terrain.
0: Unreal. Yep. Amazing. Yep. Now, listen. Let's talk about you as a ten-year-old. You start riding track work. It was inevitable that you were going to be a jockey. You're only little in stature. Um, you know, from from the moment you were around horses, did you always want to go that way?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always had a love for the horse. Well, we had to work. You know, I had a job at uh, five year old. Yeah. You had to water the horses of the night time. Water yeah. them in the morning before you went to school. Change the water, wash all the buckets out, and then you had to come home, and that was your job of the night time yep. as well. And you love that? Yep, loved it. And I had one particular horse that we had that was a uh, real top line of one, real top races in Melbourne, it was a horse by the name of Targo, which was owned by Jim Slattery. Yep. Which, you know, the two boys. Yeah, Dennison. Uh, what We're on the race club here. Um, Billy. Billy? Yeah. Well... Jim was their grandfather. Right. Yeah, and we trained for him, and he had this horse, Targoo. Now, Targoo was a real savage horse. Anybody go near him, and he'd just run at them and grab them, you know? (laughs) Right, yeah. So anyway, I was only five-year-old down the yards and whatever. Now, righto, boys. Now, David's down there. Don't let him go near that horse. Yep. So I've gone missing, right? Can't find me anywhere. They said, oh, Jesus, don't tell me he's down in there with Targou. He'd kill him. He'll kill him. So mum's screaming, you know, get him out if he's down there for Christ's sake. You've got to find him. Don't let him near that bloody horse. So when they come down, I was up on its back. (laughs) Well, you jumped on. No, what had happened, (laughs) he put his neck down for me. And I got over his neck, and when he lifted his head, he put me up on his back, and he's walking <laughs> around the yard with me sitting on his back. No saddle, just bareback? No, no, just in the rug. He had a rug on. <laughs> wow. And they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it, and they said, Oh, jeez, get the head stalled, you know, catch it, get the kid off before he kills him, you know. They and I'm f- sitting on the wrong way. I'm facing the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm facing his ass end, but anyway. And not crying, no nothing. no no, fear. nothing. So anyway... Out of that, I don't know whether that was so good because, oh, I used to get a day off school after that because it, whenever he raced in Melbourne, because he was a bad horse in the float, they used to put me in the float with him.
0: What, you travel up in travel, the back of the float?
1: Travel up in the back of the float. In a double float, I'd travel in the back with and the horse. And you'd just
0: be in the back with the horse? Yep. Just keep him keep calm. Keep him calm. And keep him
1: calm through Melbourne, yeah. How many, how many races did he win? I reckon he won 35 or something.
0: How many won, in town? Uh,
1: he won uh, the Welter two years in a row, Melbourne Cup Day. the 1600 wow. metre race. Uh, and you'd
0: be in the back of the float as a I'd be youngster. in the back
1: of the float as a youngster, yeah. Before we went to Terrain, oh, I was only about seven or eight when I used to go with him.
0: Amazing.
1: And anybody else, if, if he was at the races and anybody went to walk past a stall... He'd get back at the end of the lead and just charge, charge. you know. He was one of them. Competitive. And, and yet, he took to me for some unknown reason. <laughs> I got no back. idea what he took to me for, but he was my great mate, and I could do anything with him.
0: But they can feel it, and they can sense it coming.
1: Yeah, well, I suppose I had no fear, so that was how it started, I suppose.
0: You spoke about no fear. Um, I think as a jockey, uh, in some kind of sense, you, you kind of got to have that no fear factor don't you because you know to jump on these beasts you know sometimes you you, you they're in control
1: oh they? now listen i'll get onto this whip thing straight away yep there's no way known that a whip hurts a horse Yep. back in our other days yes they might have and they made special things up to make them hurt so you could make them do what you wanted them to do yeah yeah like you do get so some, you're talking like you know, do get some bad horses, Matty. Yeah, that just won't respond to any kindness or whatever. Yeah. and you've got to be the boss. Yeah, and the only way you can is by having a whip, so as you can control them. Yeah. Now, I don't say that they have to be whipped excessively. Of course, I don't. Yeah. Uh I'm quite happy with them having their last ten strokes in the last uh, two hundred metres. Yeah, that's not a problem. The horses don't have to be flogged all the way. Yeah. But in getting back to that, I was all, we were always told, now whatever you do, ride your horse out well past the winning post. Mm. Don't be pulling up before the winning post, which we'll get onto later on. Mm, yeah. We will. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, So, so you're a big believer, you know, like that – yeah, yeah that, you've that, got to That
1: whip, whip kind of controls and yes, keeps control of the it horse. it does. It does. You don't have to go mad with it. Yeah. But it's, it's handy to have there. Yeah. If a horse goes to do something, you know, that he doesn't like or shies or whatever, if you give him a click up, bang, he's back on track. Yeah.
0: And the padded whips that they've got these days are even better yep. again, aren't they?
1: Well, Matty, <laughs> the other day, like I was in the yard with one. He'd done something wrong, and I went whack with me hand. Yep. And because they're so hard fit, it hurt me more than it hurt him. Because my hand stung for five minutes, I thought I won't do that again. You yeah, know. Yeah. But they're rock hard in condition. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's not going to make any difference to the horse as far as pain wise. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no, there's no any, no great pain mm. inflicted to the horse whatsoever. But with the crack, it clicks in their mind. And it just makes them concentrate on what you want them to do.
0: Yeah, and it's more the sound.
1: Yep, more yep. the sound.
0: Yeah. Interesting thoughts, mate. You've been around horses for a long, long period of time. When was your first, your first race ride? So, you, you know, you started first riding tra- track work at, as a 10-year-old, which ten-year-old. is just unbelievable.
1: I used to ride uh, 16 in the morning before I went to school. Unreal. Yep. And we used to start at uh, half past four. Yep. And we would be riding mostly in the dark. Yep. You know, to get them worked. Yeah. Uh, back in those days, there was no uh, no restriction. Back in those days, matter you didn't have to be up, of course, by eight o'clock because Dad was a curo. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: had the run of the run of the track. had the
1: run of the race. But uh, <laughs> things have changed, of course. But um, yeah, we used to get them all work by about twelve o'clock. Yeah. Thirty-five, there'd be five of us riding. Yeah. And doing the other work, you know, and uh, we'd we'd get them all done. We'd start it up us four. They'd go and have breakfast at up us ten, and then they come back and the last four or five horses get done before 12 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, knocked off for two hours and they went back at three o'clock. And back in those days, we used to have yards outside and they all used to have to be boxed at the night time back in those days. Yep. So you have to bring them all out of the yards and, yeah, this one had to be moved and we had horses that would buy horses and don't put the wrong one next to the this one and all that sort of thing because it upsets them and all this sort of... Yeah, no, it was... It was a big
0: go. So, you're obviously, your dad was your master. Yes. Um, is that how it worked back yep. in those days? Yeah, so,
1: most certainly.
0: So, your dad, how, how old then when you had your first race ride? 14. 14? 14. Yep. So, 14-year-old kid, you're still going to school. I'm tipping you would have yep. been one of the heroes at school because you're a jockey. They would have been thinking, this is great. Um, tell us about your first race day uh, because, correct me if I'm wrong, did you ride three winners for your father that day?
1: Yes, Yes, I rode so it was
0: a 14-year-old.
1: Yeah, I rode a... <laughs> the day wasn't uh, all that flash because uh, there was a horse ridden by uh, Peter Mowey who was trained by Dan O'Grady. A fortnight earlier, it had bolted twice round the warnable track with Peter Mowey, who was a jumps jockey. Yep. And uh, he couldn't stop it. So anyway... Me being a kid, come from Terang, old Dan O'Grady trained it. Yep. He said, David, would you ride me horse? And I said, I'll ride the horse. All right, Mr. Uh, what did I say? O'Grady? O'Grady, Mr. O'Grady. I said, I'll ride your horse all right. But I said, I don't know how I'm going to stop it. So anyway. <laughs> and a
0: 40 year old kid, you're not yeah. overly strong back and, in those and, days.
1: And, and a jumping jockey couldn't pull it up, you know. <laughs> so anyway, I, I had a mate of mine, and his father was the clerk of the course. So anyway, I go out on this thing, and it run third, uh, and uh, anyway, I had the clerk of the course G'd up, that when I come down there, he's got to catch me for Christ's sake, because the stalls over the back of the course went from the inside running around to the outside. So you you no ro- running straight well, up? Well, well, there was no room to get it through <laughs> anywhere. so I said, you've <laughs> got to stop me, whatever you do. So I had, he rode the horse straight at me and stopped him dead. You'll got no idea. I went right out over his neck. But anyway, he pulled me up and everything was right. So Dad had given me a horse that people were sick of in Melbourne because he always runs second. And he said, you can have his horse, but naturally you weren't allowed to own it or whatever. But anyway, this was my horse. So I ride him in the second race. Yeah.
0: So an olden day Tom Melbourne.
1: Yeah. So anyway,
0: so this is your first race day. This is your second yeah, race. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, second you've already race. Ran right? Third. Yeah, yep. i have already
1: run third. Well, I give this the greatest slaughter you've ever ever seen in your life. I was here, there, running into horses' backsides. <laughs> I went wide. <laughs> I done everything <laughs> that you could possibly do wrong. So when I got off the horse, he said, "Right, go and get dressed." That's you're finished for the day. What, so That's he's it. gonna take you off. This yeah, is take gonna, it, take yeah, you off for the rest take of the Take you ride. off for the rest of the rides, you know? That's it. You were sacked. <laughs> After two. So, so yeah, so we had a we had <laughs> our foreman, which was a man by Johnny Fry who had taught me to ride, and he was a former jockey. Yep. He came and he sat down with me. He said, Now Dave, he said, You're gonna ride these horses. He said, Don't listen to what Freddie's telling you. I'm gonna make sure that you ride these horses, right? And I rode a horse by the name of Dusty Royal. And he won the cup, and I went to the front and led all the way on him and won. Yep. so um, this is
0: race three? Yeah, yep. race yep.
1: three, and then we so come out. So your
0: third ride, you've got your first winner. Yeah. What did Dad say when you come back to scale?
1: No, said nothing. No, he never got any. So you were still doing. Oh, you never got any prizes. Yeah, no, right. No. no, it didn't matter how good I rode it, there was no praise. <laughs> there,
0: there was so. no emotion, no, no
1: tears no, of joy, no, you no, mate. no, nothing. Get inside. And get ready for the next, right? Yeah. So we go in, and this horse had no form, no form whatsoever. And anyway, I've jumped it out, and I've hunted it to the front. I knew it because I used to ride work with it, you know. And it was uh, owned by Rod Calvert, which was Ellie Calvert's father. Yes. And uh, Rod had been down to the uh, Rowan all day, and got back just for the race. And it led all the way and won at eight to one. Well, I've never seen so much whiskey drank in all my life.
2: <laughs> Any slings?
1: <laughs> yeah. Got a sling? <laughs> 20 quid. 20 quid. Got 20 quid off Dusty Roll, 20 quid off that. So anyway. So, so
0: 20 quid, quid. just uh, what's that worth in our uh, oh. dollar range now?
1: Well, Matty, oh, I hate to say what that will be worth now. Um
0: Oh, 50 bucks, well,
1: bucks. Look, if you went look, if you went up the street with a quid, like uh, a beer in those days was probably 14 cents.
0: Yeah, right, so 20 quid would you last you a lot. You buy a packet of
1: smokes, 10, ce- 10 cents or whatever, you know. So
0: 20 quid was going to last you a fair while. Yeah,
1: no, no, it was going <laughs> to last me a while. Right, oh, so that's two two wins on your first yeah. day. So then my father's horse comes out in the last, and it's in a welter. Yep, high weight welder, and I claim seven. So anyway. claim seven back in those days. Yeah, claim seven. Yep. So anyway, uh, he put me on, and uh, he got up and won, and then there was a protest. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he said, uh, "You say nothing in there; I'll do the talking." So I got in the room, and uh, they said, Have "You got anything to say, Mister Driver?" And I said, "No, sir." And my father took over and blah, blah, blah. And we got the protest. So you won the race? So I won the race. Yep. So that was three for the day. So then I was... Amazing. Did the the, old man sling you? No. Got nothing for that. (laughs) You were flat out to get a drink of water.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But how how proud must he have been? Uh, You know, obviously he was a hard, tough man. But how proud must he have been? You know, your 14-year-old son makes your debut at Tarang, your home track, and you get three winners.
1: No doubt he would have been proud, yeah. but he would never show it. He'd never tell you. Yeah, and uh, you know, I
0: How did that make you feel?
1: Oh no, well, you, you weren't happy, but Mum was so great. Yeah, so she would pick up you, up now, you, yeah, you up and tell, yeah, tell you how good it. it was and all the rest of it. Uh, so righto, so me second day, right? Warnable so, May Meeting.
0: So this is like, so so this is like Tarang, and then what? A couple of weeks later, yeah, head into, head into, head into May, May Meeting.
1: So, Dad's got a horse that I'm riding for him, which was named Mount Emu. Wow, yep. So, I've been told about this winning post, right? And what was supposed to happen, the steeplechase was all, always after the slackery Handicap. Yep. And uh, they weren't supposed to put it up prior to the steeplechase. They weren't supposed to. So,
0: you're telling me there was two
1: winning posts? Two winning posts in the straight of Warnable. Right. About 50 yards apart. Yep. So I had a list of instructions, probably uh, or probably would have been every bit of 25 lines. Now follow this, do that. I want you here, I want you there. This is from Dad. This is from Dad. <laughs> so I have followed everything to a T. I've rounded them up on the home turn. I've dashed to the front. I've looked across, seen the winning post, started pulling up. All these jockeys are going past me, still riding their horses. I looked up again, there's another winning post. jeez. <laughs> oh, so I've run fourth. Oh, no. So, uh, so
0: you've, you've pulled... have like, pulled Yeah, You, you, pulled you thought way. you've won. Yeah. You've know, gone past the steeplechase winning yep. post, thinking, how good's this? You know, a winner at May. This is fantastic for Dad. Yeah. And, and then you've it must be every jockey's worst nightmare to look over the shoulder and say keep going
1: it is it is you like roy higgins they all done it and that's why i was told because mum was a big advocate about me about all little things about you know and and she done um, she done a, a a jockey's course yep you know she was a school teacher and she had all the paperwork and she used to drill me at home at the kitchen table about it all, you know? Yep. And this was one of the big notes. Don't ever, ever pull up before the winter yeah. post. So anyway, I've done it. Oh, and anyway, what, what was going for you well, mind? Because you
0: would have been thinking, what, is no, Dad no, going to say, yeah?
1: I just didn't want to come back. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> we're pulling up down the back and, uh, oh, I just forget his name now. But anyway, he was riding a horse for Jeff Murphy. Yep. And he said, whatever you do, don't lead. And he's led all the way. So he's pulling up. He said, "Oh, Jeff Murphy's gonna go up his head." He said, "I oh, wish to Christ he said I could jump the back fence and get out of here." I said, "You reckon you're in trouble?" <laughs> I said, oh, "I know one bloke. He's gonna kill me no matter what I tell him." I said. So anyway, we come back. And, be, and I'm thinking of everything I could say. Oh, he's shied. And I had to pull him up, you know. Or or I thought he broke down or whatever. And before I had a chance of doing anything, he grabbed me by the throat. I've told you that many times. So he's giving me a biff under the ear and the stewards jumping, in. Mr. Drevy, you can't do that. You can't do that. So he let me go. And
0: this is in the mounting yard. In the
1: mounting yard in front of everybody. you you'll learn, you bastard, you know, you'll learn, you know. So anyway, the stewards called me into the room and they said, Mr. Drever, we're not going to give you a reprimand. I think that if you listen to your father's words, I don't think we have to say any more. I don't think you'll (laughs) ever make this mistake ever again. And I said, no, sir. And they said, have you got anything to say for yourself? I said, yeah, do I have to travel home with him? <laughs>
0: <laughs> did, did you?
1: Yeah, well, I had to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you The apprentice, you had to go with him, yeah. So I had oh, to go home with him.
0: Did you have any other rides that day?
1: No, nah, that nah, was Just it. the one ride? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. And
0: that was, a, you reckon you had the race covered if you had a nah, the race? No, there was no worries. He yeah. he'd,
1: he'd got about a length and a half in front. Unreal. So, straight after my race, Tommy McGinley comes out. And he's led all the way on Falsetto in the steeplechase. Yeah. And Neville Randall's riding Regalo. And uh, Tommy McGinley's about 12 in front. He spots uh, actual winning post, our winning post, and starts pulling up. And Regalo got up, and they went over the line head and head, and they give it to Regalo because they thought he'd done such a good job to make up the (laughs) ground. And Tommy McGinley got fined 2,000. Golly! For for doing the same thing as what I done, it was opposite way around. And
0: need to say they obviously, uh, uh, you know, yeah, was somebody, it was
1: somebody's fault that left it up there. Yeah, but they couldn't take down the main winning post for the steeplechase. But they should have known that. Yeah. But I was only a kid having my first ride. I didn't know there was two winning posts out there. Unbelievable! (laughs) That
0: is amazing. Radish, two hundred and fifty winners. Yeah. You rode, you know, look in your career, you have your above average ability.
1: Well, yeah, I was a very good judge. Dad made me a good judge. Yeah. Um, that's all gone out the gate these days with a lot of riders. I used to I used to be able to... He had me to count every fill and, and he would clock me and clock me and clock me, and if I was point 0.1 of a second out, he'd smack me in the ear. Yep, yep. That's how good you had to be. Yep. I could come back... And he could tell me any time, and I'd say no. That's what that horse run, and that'll be right. Yeah, that'll be what the horse has run. And, and you hear and I taught Stephen Ridler the same way. Yep, yep. Taught him the same way. Now that has gone out now. Gouchy had a clock in his head. Yep. Harry White had a clock in his head. Um. Roy Higgins, no road track work with Roy Higgins. Yep. Could not ride evens. Hopeless. Yeah. But a great rider. Yeah. Great rider. Good sense for the occasion. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, not many had a clock. Like, Gautier could tell you exactly what he was doing. But, oh, look, I re- really reckon that Linda Mench has got a clock. Yeah. She's a sensational rider in front.
0: Yeah, rates them, doesn't she? Yeah. 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 So you, de- you definitely hear a lot of those old school trainers talking about times. You know, you see the Paddy Payne, you know, Michelle yep. Payne movie, and yep. Paddy was going on about it with michelle wasn't he patty yep. senior you know like yep. it's it's obviously a massive part of it
1: well i don't know where look that you you've got an idea of what your horse is going to do prior to you going out yeah but the moment those gates open everything can change yeah well you've just got to ride the horse where it's comfortable mm. now if your horse has got left the first thing is don't kick it up because you're going to burn it out yeah to try and make the ground yeah it might get home late and run a sensational race, but if you dug it up, it'll end up going to the home turn and dropping out and running the shock and last, yes. and you're going to look worse, yep. you know? Yep, um, mm. yeah, that And, and well, I'll just tell you one incident about Harry White. Yep. At grey sapphire. I, I won the Manicato on the Saturday. I took him down the following week for the listing. I went in and Harry said, how's the horse? And I said, he's good, Harry. He said, Dave, he said, what can he run his last 600 in? Well, I said, he spent electrically time to Fleming and running 34 and a half. He said, I'm telling you, if he can run 35 today, go and put your house on him. Well, I said, well, he'll run 35, all right, Harry. But I said, it all depends what he'd done his first half mile. He said, that's what I'm there for. Yeah. Now, he, got, he, he went half a mile, and Harry White's gone bang and put eight links on him. Yeah. In a 1,400 weight for age of 10 down at the 600, he's gone bang.
0: Yeah.
1: It's one by a length and a half. Wow. And I said to uh, Harry, I said, geez, are lucky it wasn't any further. He said, mate, he said, you told me it could run its last three and 35. He said, they had no hope of catching me. If he's running 35 and eight lengths in front, how could they catch me? Yeah. And it's common sense.
0: And he was right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But he, he run the first half mile in 48. Yeah. Just a lovely 48 yep. with a good the horse. And he, he knew, he could yep. feel. Yep. Yeah. Now, that's that's why he was such a great rider. Yeah. But if you said to Harry, what's four and four, he would have come up with nine. Yeah. <laughs> on a horse, he was just unbelievable. Brilliant. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, listen, stick around, okay? This is the first of our legendary racing series, uh, some legends of the bush. David Radish Driever is our special guest on the very first podcast. Uh, and we must thank our sponsors too Clinton Bolsh, Warnable, Izuzu. Uh, they've got the seven years no worries guarantee at the moment. So you can buy a new Izuzu out of Clinton Bolsh. And uh, seven years service, all that kind of stuff will be taken care of. Uh, not a bad little deal, Rad.
1: No, not a bad deal. Pity I never had something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what about this little mob too that uh, you have worked with over the last few years? Wild, racing. Uh, absolutely racing. flying at the moment. Simon Wild, yep. the team. Uh, yep. If you want to get involved, uh, they have shares in horses. Uh, if you want to get involved, jump on their website, wildracing.com.au. Uh, a really wonderful team out there and uh, do great things, don't they?
1: Yep, they do. Oh, I got on well with the Wilds.
0: Yeah, good crew, good yep. family.
1: Yep, they were.
0: Mate, we're going to continue our chat here, uh, Radish, uh, and, and I'm loving, I'm enjoying the old stories. You know, we spoke about you know, like uh, the old days and all that kind of stuff. And your jockey career—you rode two hundred and fifty winners, uh, about seven hundred rides. That is a fair strike rate for a jockey. Tell us about—you uh, know—like was there would have been some colourful stories. You know, there would have been people trying to set races up and that. Your yeah. time as a jockey, what do you got for us, Radish? Yeah,
1: well, uh, <laughs> I think Connie Gavin's passed away. I'm not sure. Anyway, Connie Gavin was a bookmaker. Anyway, Kevin Muggerman had a horse with us. And look, it was just a plotter, you know, just a plotter. But it was going to win a race somewhere anyway. We'd worked and worked and worked, and we worked it with one that went pretty good. Yep. And it worked with it, and it went all right. And we said, oh, listen. Today's race the day. Today's the day at our rat. So anyway, up we go, on in the jockey's room. Kevin Muggerman comes around, says to Freddie, he said, you must have told somebody. Dad wouldn't tell anybody. Yep. He said, you must have told somebody. He said, Connie Gavin's knocked it off. He said, what price did he get? He said, he got nine to two. Well, he said, how much are you going to have on it? Kevin said, I want me couple hundred on it. Well, he said, you go back and tell him, if he don't give you nine to two for 200, this will get beat. <laughs> this right? is from your dad, yep. Yeah, from yep. my dad. Yep. Now, I know nothing about it, I'm in the jockey's room, I've got no idea what's going on.
0: Yep, so you're, you're riding this horse. So I'm riding yep. the
1: horse. So anyway, they come into the mountain yard, <laughs> and Kevin Muggan comes back and he says to Dad, he said, I got on, he said, I got on. So anyway, he said, just ride this like a good thing. He said, go to the front, and he said, just keep it going. Yep. And at one by eight, I would have had no hope of stopping it. You know matter whatever I'd done. I would <laughs> never have been able to stop ripe. it. Yeah. But that was the way that they worked back in those days. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um
0: and, and, and this is the you know, back in the days where yeah, you give a horse a couple of quieter runs, you know, like yeah. First, second up, you know, and then third, fourth up, you'd be looking for a race. There was no trials, there was no videos all back in those days, was it right nah. You could kinda you know, you go to the race, you might get five or six to one your horse and bang, away. But you see going.
1: your best guide. Your best guide was uh, Matty. we had good horses. Yeah. So you worked your maidens. You worked your maidens with open class horses. Yeah. Well, if you if your maidens could run anywhere near an open class horse in a gallop, mm. track gallop. Yeah. Hey mate, it was just go to the races and win. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it and I don't know why people don't you know, bigger stables can do it. Yeah. Uh you, when you're a small stable and you you've got no galloping partners or whatever or not as good a horse as around that you can gallop with to get a bit of an idea. But that was where you got your gauge. Yeah. And nobody knew. Yeah. Nobody knew about it. Yeah. You know, and you were supposed to stay silent.
0: Yeah.
1: It's different these days. Two beers in the pub, I tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Loose lips, sink ships, yeah, rad. Yeah.
0: What, what about in the jockey's rooms? You know, was there any shenanigans going on where you thought, well, you know, hang on, this is a boat race or what's what's going on here? Yeah,
1: no, it happened. I uh, I got involved in it one day. Uh, Des Lake. Yeah. Uh, Bendigo. Yep. But uh, with me, my father, I, I wasn't to talk to another jockey. Yep. No way, no. That was the rules in your the family? Rules in, in our family. If yep. he ever, ever caught me talking to a jockey, he'd just take me straight off. Right. That'd be it. You yep. know, I'd be just sacked. Yep. Um, So I never ever spoke in the jockey's room. I never spoke to it, anybody. What,
0: you just sat there quietly.
1: You sat there quietly and done my own thing. Little redhead. Yeah, yeah little redhead. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Yeah, just sat there Said and done nothing. my own thing. Yeah. So, Des um, Lake the name of the horse too, Blue White, come down from Sydney. Tez come down to ride it. So he teed up all these other jockeys and I, was, I, I never even got asked because yep. I never so ever said anything. you've been left out. But Des did know Dad too. Yeah. And he had ridden for Dad. Yeah. And I don't know whether that was anything to do with it. He didn't want to put me under. Yeah. But there were certain horses out there and, and so I was riding... One of the better chances. Uh, which was a horse by the name of Solar Bow. They knocked me down three times, but he still got up and won. Your horse did? Yeah, they went out there to stop him. Yeah. They bowled me over three times. He got three checks. Wherever I wanted to go they just had horses brace up around me and box me in. He had the whole field tied up. Yeah. But I still got up and won. But I was the one that they were trying to stop, which I didn't know.
0: So you but didn't know at the time? No. When, did you, when did you find out? After the race? After the
1: race, when they had us all in the room. <laughs> yeah, because I had to go in and give evidence what happened. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I just told them exactly what they were doing.
0: Yeah. How'd that go down?
1: Didn't go down real flash. But, um, How old were you then? Yeah, 14. Wow. It was still, still in my first year, yeah.
0: And what did Dad say?
1: Nah, nothing. He didn't want to get involved. No, no, no. I yeah, you just let me handle it. You know, yeah. Say nothing. Yeah. Don't don't say anything to the stewards. You know, don't think you're smarter than the stewards. or whatever. Yes sir, no sir. Just answer what they ask you. Yeah. That's it. Bang. That was the way we done it. Unreal. But that happened. Yeah. You know. Um. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. There was. Yeah. There was some. Yeah. There was. There was. Dead set boat races. There's no doubt. Yeah. But, you know, the big boys, like Desi. And he probably wouldn't even need the money. Yeah. But they just had to do it, you know. Yeah. For yeah. whatever reason, I don't know. But because Desi had a bloody heap of money. Yeah. He was a multi-millionaire.
0: Yeah. Money, I suppose. Grease. Yeah, you know, I know. Gets excited. Hey, uh, I want to talk about a race, uh, and we spoke about this, uh, having a beer one night at the pub, uh, where... You, got, you kind of, you'd, you'd given away riding. Uh, a friend reached out and wanted you to ride. You were playing footy, I think, at the time. And uh, it was a race up at Coleraine. Can you take us and tell us about this?
1: Yeah, well, uh, that was Kenny Phillips from Lake Barlack. And he trained a horse for uh, Bill, McMa- Bill McMaster's father, who they used to call Ginger McMaster. He rang me up and he said, could I ride it? And I was... 10 stone, And I said, what weight's it got? And he said, nine stone. And I said, oh, yeah, I can do it. Yeah, I can do it. So I wasted for a whole week. Yeah. And I went up and rode it. and uh, He said to me, Dave, he said, whatever you do, he said, don't ride this pretty. He said, because uh, he said if it gets tangled up on the fence, he said, it'll, it'll just give up at one try. Yeah. So I was three and four deep. But I was definitely not riding it pretty. And, and choleraine, tight little track. rain, tight little track, yes. Very sharp turn on the home turn. So anyway, I'm sneaking around and coming to the home turn and moving up. And one of old old Butch Power, who was one of the leading riders at the time, his horse was hanging like buggery and I got up on the outside. He's saying, help me, help me. Get up here, son. Get up here. And he run me right off. <laughs> run me nearly into the outside running rough. Anyway, I got away from him and I, I went on and I won by a short half head. And the comment was uh, from the owner. He said, good ride, son. He said, I see you got a bit of white paint in your boot. I looked down the near side. Not the near side, he said. The <laughs> outside, he said, yeah.
0: But that was obviously a bit of a though. They? they wanted you specifically for the horse. They knew it was Yeah,
1: well. well, he knew that I'd ride to what he wanted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Somebody would have rode at the perfect race. Yeah. And it would have got beat because it was a bit of a sook if it got got a bit of interference or whatever, didn't like it, you know. It was a mare and, you know, it used to just turn it up, so. Yeah, so that was, yeah, another day.
0: What about plungers, big plungers you've been involved in?
1: Yeah, uh, never really come off, Matty. (laughs) Um, I know I set Grey Sapphire for the uh, 1,400-metre... it used to be uh, show day, you know, the fourteen hundred yep. and show day. They've got all different names. So it's, had, it's yep. been invitation stakes and it's been this, that, and the other. But on show day, and I'd uh, I took the horse to Werribee. I went a thousand metres first up, and then Stephen Riddler rode him at uh, Moony Valley, and uh, I said, whatever you do, don't cruel this horse if you don't have to. Yep. So Stephen dashed to the front on the home turn and he kept looking around to the right and Brent Thompson snuck up on the fence on romp yep. and got the goal, he run second. Well, it wasn't a very good day because I got into trouble that day because I dropped him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what, Hingham? <laughs> yeah. What, Steve Ridler? Yeah, because... What, you uh, weren't happy Yeah, well, right. I,
1: well, I was telling, you know, like... Don't knock him around, I know that, but he should have been aware that something was going to come at him <laughs> somewhere, you know, and like he didn't even look to the inside to see whether there was a horse coming up on the inside, and he was in the middle of the track, he just kept looking to the outside, you know, and one got up on the inside and beat him.
0: it, it was just pure frustration, or was it pure oh, you had a fair bit of money on the oh, horse or
1: what? Well, we'd had a fair bit of money on but we were setting him for the... You know, and, and, and I was next struggling start. I was struggling for the next start to to get enough weight. Yep. You know, to get in. And uh, anyway, he he ended up getting a run in the Show day Cup. We got thirty three to one. Yeah. And I said to my owners, I said, Look, this horse, I don't care about Manicata. I said, He can beat these horses. Yep. I said, Yes, uh, Yeah, so anyway, I had a good talk with Harry. He said, Yeah. He said, "We'll make Manicato work. Don't worry about it, Dave, He said, "We'll make him work." So anyway, Harry sat three deep, and he pushed Manicato four deep, because he Manicato was up, you know, a front runner yep. as well, and Grace Sapphire could run from the front. Yep. So Harry planted himself three deep and kept Manicato four deep. So I fought them all off, thirty-three to one. The owners had got ten grand, five grand each way. Right, it's a big yeah. result. Yeah. And private talk flies down the outside at 100 to 1 with bloody... You're joking. Walk, uh, Craig Williams' father on it. Yeah. And gets up and beats us in a photo. You're joking. Yeah. And that was one of the Beaten them.
0: by 100 to 1 pop.
1: 100 to 1 pop. You can't believe it, but it <laughs> did happen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the one that got away. The
1: one that got away. And then I, uh, well, another one for the same owners. Actually, I had old Hotspur and I had him over there in Adelaide for the Port Adelaide Cup. Yep. So anyway, he won the first day and David Belfer wrote him. And uh, I was working him during the week and there was bloody uh, dog's head on the track, so it was a little bit of a blue, two Alsatians and they went to, they chased me horse. Yep. Anyway. I had a bit of a running with the time, the bloke taking the time. So anyway, I said, I, I don't want you here Thursday morning. You won't have to be here because, I said, I don't want you to clock this horse. He said, I'll be here all right. So anyway, the horse worked on the Thursday morning. I got David Balfour to ride it. Yep. And I went over there myself. He said, I won't put this in the paper. But he said, they won't beat this horse on Saturday. Yeah. So anyway, out we go. Thirty-three to one, and we've gone plonk again. Yep. The owners have tipped in another ten grand. You know, five grand each way. Yeah. And Bart got up and beat me a short half head with strong bow. Right.
2: <laughs> <Well,
1: laughs> so that's another bar, one. Man. That's another one that didn't come off. Yeah. Just
0: uh, what about your time with Bart Cummings? You spent a couple of years down there with the yeah. with the legend himself. What was that like, and how did that all come about, right?
1: Well, no, I had a bit of a blow with Freddie, and I was. Uh, a yep. bit young and a bit smart. H- how and, old were you at the time? Uh, oh, about 23. Yep. So I'd finished my apprenticeship, Matty. Had a bit of money. Thought I was a genius as far as a punter. Yeah. Which I found out that that's not a good plan, but yeah. anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, come out with about uh, 50000 out of my apprentice school, you know, I'm back good again. Good money back in those days. Back in, in the those 70s. days. Yeah, yep. that, was, that was good though. So... Um, yeah, had a bit of a run in with him, uh, had a few drinks and never turned up for work for two or three days and anyway, you know, things didn't work out so anyway, I went to Melbourne and uh, walked into the uh, pub up at the top of the straight six, uh, the old racecourse pub. Flimpton, yep. All the trainers and all that used to be there. Yeah. And I knew an old bloke by the name of Peter Hayes and he said... Uh, you having a drink, right? I said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have a drink with you, Peter. I said. Matter of fact, I'm going to have quite a few with you. And he said, Why is that? Because I said I'm going to work for you. And he said, You're not working for me. He said, I can't afford you. And I said, No. I said, I better blow with the old man. I said, I want some work. I said, I want to start riding work again. And I said, I've been on the tear. I said for about four or five days. I said, I've got to ride work and get going again. You know. And I said, I'm not going home, because I said, he'll kill me. I said, if I go home, because I'll give him a rev on the phone. (laughs) You you were staying away. (laughs) I was staying (laughs) away, yeah. And my father said, don't worry, he'll come home when he's got no money. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, he said, look, he said, I couldn't afford you. He said, where do you want to work? I said, what do you mean, where do I want to work? He said, you want to work at Bart, Tommy Smith, colonized. I said, I might as well go for the best. Yeah, he said, "Righto, meet me here at four o'clock." Yep. Said, "Righto," and he picks me up at four o'clock, takes me down to the river. Ron McDonald was there, the foreman. Yep. Told him who I was, whatever. Said that I was a jockey and I could ride track work and all this thing. He said, "Can you start at four o'clock in the morning?" That was it. And I started Unreal. with Bart, and that was how it all happened. Yeah.
0: But that's unbelievable, amazing, yeah. isn't it? And what was Bart like, mate? Like, you know, what what did he do so different?
1: never seen a lot never seen a lot of bart uh well i'll tell you how it was he had the likes of me was all the experience that i had yeah he had very good workers very talented workers all, all in their own right and we all had three horses to look after each yep and nobody else touched those horses As far as home in the stables, in feeding or bandaging or doing their boxes or anything, you done all the work on them. Yep. And well, we did have vets twice a day, yep, seven days a week, yep. And just uh, to look after them, yeah. But Bart was a sensational feeder. Yeah, he was a great conditioner of horses. Yep. Um, and he was uh, a man that never totally flattened his horses galloping. Yeah. They worked home the last 400 metres of any of his work. It didn't matter whether you were trotting and cantering and you had to improve your last 400. Yeah. Uh, and he'd done a lot of evens over distances, all sorts of distances. Got the miles and You the know legs. what I mean? Yep. But you still worked on your last 400. Yep. Even if you went out there and done a slow canter, he'd want you to improve the last 400. Yeah. He'd teach the horse that he's got to run down that straight. It's
0: interesting, isn't it? Yep.
1: And... Uh, yeah, well, we'd done a lot of swimming in the uh, in the river, uh, the Maribyrnong. Yeah. And he had a uh, great lead horse, and we led a lot of horses. Yeah. You know, that's, I learned to do that to give them an easy day, but they still yep. get to work. Yep, well, we had this old grey horse there, and I would say that he would probably do 12 mile a morning. Wow. He'd work this one and that one a couple of laps, and he'd bowl around at about 15 of the furlong. Yeah. For two laps. And you'd um, be really. just leading them, you know, with nobody on them. Yep. You'd just lead them. But it was a bit different in those days. You could do those sort of things. Yeah. Like we used to ride them down at Flemington just with a rug on and uh, a bridle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How would you get away with that these days? Yeah, And, that's right. and I'm talking about riding them through the traffic and everything going down to Flemington. Yeah. You Amazing. know, it was unbelievable. Yeah. There was, you know, there was a quite a few accidents, but, you know, um, yeah, it was unbelievable what we got away with it. But getting back to Bart, sensational feeder. They had Percy Sykes, a sire. They had regular blood counts. Yeah. Uh, they were tested, you know, for temperature and all that all the time and all the rest of it. They were bloody looked after sensational. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you've you done all your work and... I'll never forget Taunton. I looked after horse from the name of on and one day a a girl had done something wrong, and he flipped over down at the track. Yeah. And he ruined all these muscles on his hind quarter, and it all went flat on one side. And we had uh, seven weeks to get him ready for the ugly plate. So anyway, he said to me, he said, uh, "You know anything about uh, heat race?" I said, oh, yeah, I said, I know a bit about him because I said I used him when I was playing football. Yep. He said, right. Well, he said, "Uh, we've got to get a heat ray. And he said, yeah, the hole at 10 inches off. And he got this particular stuff I had to massage him. And this had to be done twice a day. Yeah. I know, so he tells me that. And he said, "Uh, has this horse worked? And I said, no, since he's been hurt. Well, he says, no good at leaving him there. He said, take him out and work him. So I went out and I had to take a whip yep. to make him work. He, 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 was, he was just sore. that bloody sore. He just yep. didn't want to work. Alright, So I get him home. So I get out me. they got this uh, heat ray for me, yep. got it out, massage him and whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, he's never going to get this horse, sorry. No way, no. Yeah. So anyway, Ron McDonald comes around and sees me at half past two. He said, Radish, he said, don't take Taunton on for a walk. He said, he's going down in the river, he's got to swim ordered him to swim. So he swam him every day, worked him every day, swam him every day, and by the end of the seven weeks, his backside was totally level with the other. Unreal. Never had one physio, no nothing. I used to massage it, yeah, but I had to hold this 10 inches yeah. off how, his back. How long for? 20 minutes.
0: Yeah, and that would have been like, heat rays would have been vaguely coming into football and sporting that back in the seventies. Yeah. Though, wouldn't they? Yeah,
1: yeah. But he wouldn't have it. he wouldn't have a masseur Yeah. I well, there was one over the road. Yeah. We lived at thirty two Fisher Parade. There was one over the road. I knew that Dad had used him. Yeah. <laughs> but he wouldn't have a bar of it. Yeah. I had to do this. Yeah. And he worked every day. Seven yeah. days a week. Yeah. Always and there. he came out and won the Oakley plate. Yeah,
0: amazing. Amazing. Yeah, that's what he could do. Yeah, you know a, what I mean. He was obviously very clever, wasn't he? You know, oh, I know a, he was an a amazing clever man. horseman. Yeah, yeah he, he was before his time, and just knew. Yep. knew the horses inside and out. Yep. We've touched on Grey Sapphire a bit. Uh, an amazing horse. An amazing journey for yourself. Um, Polly Farmer's got the connection there. Polly bred the horse. Is that right?
1: Yeah, Polly bred the horse. Owned it, or did he lease no, it? No, he leased it. Polly got into a bit of strife at Geelong. And uh, he was good mates with a bloke by the name of John Brown. Yep. And John Brown was a good friend of uh, Keith Lowe, who I trained Hotspur for. Yep. And he comes to Keith and he said, now, Keith, you've got a bit of land. He said, Polly's got to go back to Western Australia. All these uh, tyre businesses have gone bust. He can't afford the horses on adjustment. He's got three mares, poles at foot, and in pole. Can you adjust them? And if you adjust them and you adjust them for nothing, you can race the foal, race the foals, get them in foal or do whatever you like. And when Polly gets himself together and he's coming back in three years' time, he'll take the horses back. Yeah. Yeah, right, So, Gray Sapphire was a yearling. God. And Keith Lowe said, uh, what do you think of him? And I (laughs) I said, you wouldn't pay much for him, mate. Yeah. He wouldn't pay much. This is did. on first looks. First looks. Yeah. Badly bred, mug bred, you know, just an ordinary breed. Yeah. Uh, Mare had done nothing. The sire was very ordinary. Right. Yeah. And he said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, the only way you're ever going to find out, get him broken in and we'll try him. Yep. Yeah. That's the only way you'll ever find yeah. out whether he's any good. It's like any horse. Yep. 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 So we had Hotspur who, he was paying for all this. So anyway, I sent him down to Colin Chandler, and Colin Chandler's breaking him in. He said, hey mate, this is after he'd been a bit of He's he'd ring me up. He said, hey mate, he said, you're gonna have to gold this horse. He said, he's a lunatic. Yeah. He said, right off his head. He said, he's just tried to kill another horse over the top of the yard. Yeah. And I said, fair ding. Well, I said, he's not worth two, Bob, so it won't make any difference. So anyway, we did ring Polly Farmer
0: and yeah. get that done. Because they so got the go-ahead. Yeah, we, well,
1: we did have a letter of agreement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh got it. So anyway, he comes home and uh, Chandler said, Hey, I don't keep what you gallop this with. Mate, it is a fire. Fair you? So I'm. anyway, we go out. So we set it out with a maiden that had run a couple of places. Yep. Brought it out of the water. Unreal. Set it up with an improver source. Blow it out of the water. Went up to Progressive. Blow it out of the water. Yeah. Put him up with King's Image, their open class us Beat him. Jeez. What have you, we got here?
0: How, how were you keeping a lid on it too, you know? Because oh, word spreads quick. Yeah. You know, like... Well,
1: <laughs> the first day he went, he was 33 to 1. And I uh, put Marty Burke on him. Yeah. And the weekend before, I'd gone to... Uh, Romeo and we got locked in with water there was floods and they come down we couldn't get home yeah anyway I rang up and organised you know for dad to do this do that you know and put Marty Burke on the horse I rang Marty Burke would he ride it and all the rest of it was his yeah. first start. and he went up and he drew 18 so I've told the owners that I thought look just go there better each way but this horse will win yeah horse has drawn 18. So I told Marty the same thing. And then Dad comes out and legs him on at the race, and I'm not there. He said, oh, you're drawn 18. <laughs> he said, uh, oh, don't knock him around. Just give him a kick in the guts at the top of the straight and see what he can do. Yeah. Well, hang on a minute. We're oh, putting our no, money yeah. on it. Yeah. So going around <laughs> to the barrier, the drops, Marty, gets away, bolts the lap of the track. I know. So norm- I know normally na- scratched? Yeah, normally scratched, but anyway, they've let the horse start. Wow. Right? So, it's drawn 18. So, because he's bolted and he's tipped Marty off, Marty just sat quiet on him. Yep. So, his stone motherless last come of the home turn, and i up at Romeo, and I want to listen to the race, and we've put our money, I've told a few blokes up there, we put our money, he's, he hasn't even been called. So, anyway, the race comes to within two strides of the post. Yeah. Oh, he said, I don't know, something's blown down the outside here. He said, it's really close. He said, I don't know what's happened here. And it was Grace It come from stone motherless last name, turned a bit half head. Wow. And it ran
0: a lap of the course. Yeah.
1: And Dad who told him to ride it quite early. <laughs> like the horse should have been, he probably could have led all the way because he was that type of horse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, and that was, another one that, was <laughs> that's another one that got away.
0: <laughs> what race track?
1: Ballarat. Ballarat. Two eighteen and a thousand eight,
0: yeah. One next race start.
1: One by uh, six lengths his next start. Yep. Uh, at uh, six to four or something. No, we got seven to two because uh, Fowler had one in it that had won four straight. Yep. And I had Stephen Riddle, the apprentice, on it, and uh, I said, wherever you go, you just sit on them and don't let him get out of your sight, but don't you dare move on him until half a furlong from home. He pushed a button and he put six lengths on him. Unreal. So we went to uh, the May meeting next day. Yep. And uh bloke come round to me and said, George Allen's got one in this, Brad. He said, backed uh, it for a stack. Well, When George put his money on nine times out of ten, they didn't get beat. Yep. He said, what are you there?" I said, he won't beat him. I said, he won't beat him. I said, this is a good horse. Yeah. Anyway, he won that. He beat George Allen by six lengths.
0: What odds that day? Uh
1: about five to two. Yeah. Yeah, about yeah. five to two. He was second favourite or something. Yeah. But that was me uh bad day. Because uh Jeff Murphy came to me. He said, Radish, he said, I want to have a drink with you. Said, Oh yeah. He said, yeah, come and have a drink. He said, I've got a bit to discuss with you. And I said, what the else are you, bloody he going to discuss with me? You know? Yeah. So, anyway, over I go, and he said, what are you going to have? And I said, oh, whatever you're having. He said, I'm having a whiskey. I said, I'll have a whiskey. So, we're having a drink. And he said, mate, he said, that two-year-old. I said, yeah. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I'm going to pick him up tomorrow. I said, I beg your pardon? He said, I'm going to pick him up tomorrow. I said, I don't think so, Jeff. Yeah. He said, yeah. He said, "Polyfarmer Farmer owns, uh, Mark Reed, he said, 100000 He said, and he's going to cut the bill. And I said, well, Polyfarmer don't own those." Yeah. "Polyfarmer only leases it. Yep. And I said, you won't be picking it up. Yeah. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I will be. I said, no, you won't. I said, for a start, there will be a padlock on the door. Yeah. But I said, you won't pick him up. Yeah. So anyway, that was where... You two and a frown, yep. Yeah, that's where bits of arguments and everything come in. And anyway, he went on and I uh, took him to Mooney Valley. His next start. So he
0: never come. Ah, so
1: no, he never come because well, he couldn't do anything about it because Polly Farmer doesn't actually own. Yeah. But he would leased the horse, so yeah. it was up to them. And 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 if they had wanted anything, Matty, we were going to put a price on him. That if they paid us X amount of money. Well, he could add the horse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, uh, the Polly Farmer, because he had a lot of money everywhere, he yeah. couldn't really afford to sell a horse. Yeah. But Reid was only trying to do a deal to let Polly Farmer off the hook with a betting problem.
0: Yeah, yeah right.
1: So, uh, that's what that was all about.
0: Yeah, like, you know, obviously, there's a, there's a good racehorse going around here. You know, like he's won two out of his first three runs, second, first start. Yeah. Has Polly reached out at any time during this, you know, thinking, hang on, jeez, I've I've got a good horsey that's going all right. Yeah, well, Could this is
1: mine. this is yeah. Now this is what happened. He went to uh, Mooney Valley. He's next start one by ten lengths. Yeah. Uh, wow. Oh, a good New Zealand rider come over, uh, Brian Andrews. So, Brian so Andrews first friend.
0: start in town, fourth race start, wins by yeah. ten at Mooney Valley. Yeah,
1: on a wet track, <laughs> and he'd never been on a wet track. You see, we'd never yep. had him on a wet track, so we didn't know whether he'd handle it, whether he wouldn't. Yep. But he won by ten lengths. So then uh, I said to Brian Andrews, I said, would this horse be right up with the spring? He said, yes, most certainly would. So Keith Lowe and Jack Lansfield had both come from Geelong, wanted to run him in the two-year-old race, Geelong Cup Day. Yep. So I run him in the two-year-old race, and he won by six lengths. So then he had a little bit of a break, but this is where all... uh, Trouble started,
0: right? So everyone would have been staking their claim in this horse. Yeah,
1: so Polly Farmer's uh, gone to belly and he's quoted that he never give us, uh, you know, that this horse would be worth a lot of money as a stallion. That we never had the right to geld
0: him. Oh, to geld him, right? Yeah.
1: So anyway, my owners. At the first thing, we we're in a bit of trouble because they couldn't find the letter. They just sort of got ridden because it wasn't all that well read. <laughs> they just sort of yeah. got rid of yeah, the it letter. But they ended up... keep it, yeah. They ended up, they, they did actually find it. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it become a nil-all draw. Yeah. But Polyfarmer put a bit of pressure on him. He said, well, I want... Instead of getting 25%, he wanted 50% yeah. of the stake. Yep. Yeah. So... They went along with that to keep the horse, to keep everybody so happy. So
0: they got 50, he got 50. and Yeah. I, I sense yeah. you're not a massive rap on Polly.
1: No, not a, not a big rap. i uh, got a bit to go there. <laughs> Tell me more. Oh, well, he, uh, yeah, he raced in, uh, in Flemington in that big three-year-old race, and he run fourth to oh, the the Judge and Manicardo and Caramette. Yep. He run fourth. And I had, no, I had Brian Andrews, and he couldn't ride it because he rode a horse from New Zealand. And anyway, I got stuck without a rider, and I ended up with Alan Trebina. Yep. Anyway, playing football, I broke Alan Trebina's ribs a certain time back, yep. and he lost a ride on Surround. Over right, it. right, and so we there's a bit playing, of bad blood. Well, we were playing a jockey's football match, Yep. you know, and yep. Trevena got a bit smart <laughs> and I unloaded him. Anyway, so he rode Grace Sapphire on this race and uh, definitely never rode it to instructions and probably didn't really think that the horse could win. Yep. Anyway, I went to Roy Higgins after the race. I said, now, Roy, you know me from Bart's. Yep. I want you to go home, have a good look at this video. Because he rode uh, Manicato then. Yep. No, he might have rode Caraman. Um, I don't know whether he rode Manicato or Caraman, but he rode in the race. Yep. And I said, now go home and have a good look at it. And I said, I want your honest opinion. Yeah. Could you ring me back on Sunday night? So anyway, he rang me back about seven o'clock on Sunday night. He said, David, he said, uh, that run was far greater than will ever, ever be seen in the paper. Yeah. He said he's a very, very good horse. Yep. So I said, Roy, would you think that he'd be up to a, a Caulfield Guinness? And he said, maybe you'd better not run him. He said, if you go to the barrel too many times, he said you could bottom him. In. So anyway, he run in the, uh, oh, there's a race at Money Valley. Anyway, he runs second to Caroline yep. over a mile. Yep. And I had Higo there that day. I said, you come and tell me, Tony, the owners, that you don't want it. He should go out. Yep. Put him out now. Don't race him in the guineas. Yep. So run second to he Higo come in, and we had a drink together, and Higo explained it to the owners. So I come home, and the horse is going to be spelt. Took the hard food out of him the next day. I got a phone call, 4 o'clock that afternoon. In having a quiet drink in the pub. Yep. Jack Blanchewell. Yeah, what's wrong, Jack? You never ever ring me. I said, I always ring you and tell you what's going on. I said, the horse is going for a spell. What's to go? He said, I'm ringing her. He said, the horse has got a race in the Caulfield Guineas or he won't be training. I said, I beg your pardon? He said, Polly Farmer said that the horse has rang up and said that the horse has got a race in the Caulfield Guineas and if you don't run him, you're restricting the horse for stake money that he could be earning. Wow. So I had to run him. Yeah. And Higo had told me not to. He said, if you run him against these good horses and give him could another gut him. buster, you yeah. could flatten him. Yeah. So the horse uh, run fourth yeah. in the Caulfield Guineas. Beaten by how far? Oh, probably four lengths. Yep. Yeah. Led round the home turn, but Manicata and them sort of give him windburn on the corner. Yep. But battle on great. And I don't think he was the true miler anyway, Matty. He was a real top-line bloody sprinter. Yep. You know? Yep. So uh, he, the horse comes home to go for a spell. And next thing we get another phone call, we've got to go to Sydney. So I took him up to Sydney. He had three runs up there. he done no good.
0: So so this is like without the horse having a spell?
1: Yeah, never had a spell. Never had a spell. Went straight So on this is truck. all coming from Polly? Polly. Yeah. Straight on a truck, straight up to Sydney. Wow and they brought Johnny Miller over to ride him his last start and Johnny Miller just burnt him yeah burnt the horse you know I come back and I went to the owners and I said listen this horse is getting on a truck and going straight home tomorrow Yeah, I don't care what Polly farmer says he can't do this because he doesn't actually own it yep you're just given into him too much yep this horse has got to be treated with respect yep. So I brought him home. He had a fortnight in the paddock and he was galloping around. I was frightened he was going to get hurt. I put him back into work and I won the Wangoom Goom with him as a three-year-old. Wow. And he broke the track record.
0: Three-year-old winning a one Goom.
1: Yeah, and broke the track record.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. That is
1: amazing. So it didn't end there because then they sent me to Perth over for the railway.
0: So this is Polly again.
1: Polly again. Yeah. come into play. And on his way to Perth for the railway, uh, he smashed me up in the plane, and he went berserk himself and fractured his skull. Wow! And for the first four weeks that I was there, or six weeks that I was there, he couldn't even go to the track because he bled both nostrils every day. Fair income, yeah. yeah. And I just had to potter him round the streets. I couldn't take him to the track because he wouldn't let take him to the track with the horse bleeding. Yeah. And I used to swim him of an afternoon, and uh, this old fella, which is Neville Parnham's father, yep. said to me, son, he said, just do him what you're doing, he said, you'll get this horse right, because he said, this horse was fit. He said, if he wasn't fit, he said, you wouldn't be able to do this, but you'll get this horse right. And they had a horse over there by the name of Asian Bo, who hadn't been defeated, yep. out of six starts or whatever. Well, my first start over there was in that uh, twelve hundred meter race and he runs second Asian bow. Yep. Beating the neck. Yep. And probably just yeah, probably a bit unlucky that he might have been able to nail him on the day. Yep. So, um we come out for the well, it's all changed now, that there was the twelve hundred then a fourteen hundred and then, then the, the railway. The, yeah, that's what it used to be. Yep. I think they called it the fourteen hundred was the winter bottom. Yep. Anyway, he come out in the winter bottom and uh Asian Bow had never gone any further than 1,200. And Grey Sapphire, he had won over 1,400, so I knew that he could run it, you know. Yep. Anyway, uh, Asian Bow won again. Ambassador run second and Grey Sapphire run third. But he flashed from second last home down the outside over the 1,400, so they reckon it was the run of the race to get into the railway. Railway, yep. And at that particular time, he'd had a... A bit of a foot problem and it sort of developed on the hard tracks over there it got worse anyway the owners rang me up they said oh we're coming over a week before the race and I said I might run him yeah They said well we don't care
0: we're still coming
1: we're still coming and when they got there they made the decision whether the horse was 100% or not run him because it doesn't matter
0: yeah you and know what, what and I mean? And you, you, you felt he and was I didn't, to, I didn't want to run him. Yep. But anyway,
1: I got talked into running him. Yep. And he ended up, he pulled up sore, and then he had to go for a spell. Yeah. So that was all over Polly Farmer. But while I was there, you know, Polly tried to get the horse back.
0: What, while you had the horse over? Yeah, well, I way.
1: had a broken shoulder and all that, and he uh, went to the stewards and said that I wasn't capable of looking after the horse and all the rest of it. Wow. You know, and blah, blah, blah. And. And he was involved with some bad people. You know, there was uh, one particular trainer that had done time in jail was no good and he was a friend of Polly's and he'd been talking to Polly trying to get the horse too because he wanted to get the horse. Yeah, know? And yeah. they thought, because I wasn't the actual trainer, I wasn't the actual foreman for Freddie, so yeah. they thought when they had him over there, they weren't going to let him out. Yeah. And they threatened to shoot the horse and... Uh, Wow! I had a bloke. I had a bloke walk down with a gun every morning down to the track when he went to the track. Yeah, because to, we we're worried about whether they were going. Someone shoot was going to hijack. Yeah, him or, no, yeah, no. That was that went on. Gee whiz! Yeah.
0: So how'd you go? Did you get the horse like, back safely? Like
1: yep. Uh, and I didn't fly either. He come home by float. Yeah. Come home by float. So you just load
0: him up one morning off your yep,
1: truck. Yep. And away we went. And uh, and then he went bang 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 one. Two weight for age races again and then all of a sudden he was five year old and the lease ended. Yeah. And they, of course, Polly Farmer could take him back then.
0: And that's what happened.
1: That's what happened. So oh. we lost him over the lease and uh, Harry White offered me, Harry White gave me 120000 to go and buy him. Yeah. And uh, I offered it to Polly. Yeah. 120000 and 50% of the stake. Yeah. His first, first win. And he wouldn't he wouldn't accept it. Because he had too much money anywhere. If they heard that he sold the horse, there'd be too many people tracking him trying down. Trying to get the money off him. Yeah. Wow. So, um he worked for Mac and Ernie Ford over in Western Australia. So he took over the lease. He released. You know, yep. they wouldn't release it back to my men. Yep. They re so we released it to Mac and Ernie Ford in Western Australia. And he took the horse to Tommy Hughes. Yeah. Uh he run uh, second in a Doomed in 10,000. He runs second in an Epsom. And he won John. one race in Brisbane. Yep. And that's all he done after he left us.
0: Yep. Amazing so. story.
1: Yeah, no. It Amazing. Was. Did you? Nobody, ever, Nobody ever knows, Matty, how good that horse was. If, yep. he, was. He, if he actually got the right treatment that he yep. should have had. Yeah. Nobody would know the how good was. Sky was the limit. Yep.
0: Have you spoken, like, was there ever any contact with Polly ever again?
1: Yeah, he uh, tried to. Yeah, they had a uh, show for him, some good mates of mine, uh, David Lade, that had the Dry cell Pub. Yep. And all that, they run a function for him. And uh, they asked me to come down. And I only went down for the drink thinking he wouldn't be there. (laughs) And he was. And he ended up, he turned up there, yeah.
0: (laughs) So what was the what they was the really, between you two? Nah,
1: no. Nah, well, no, nah, he was a bit of a palabra. Yeah, he was a bit of a palabra. And you're a Polly.
0: firecracker. Let's be yeah, honest.
1: Yeah, but he, uh, oh yeah, I had a go at him over there in Western Australia. Yeah, I told him what I really thought of him. But um, <laughs> He's he a bit he, near,
0: Polly. he
1: was he was a, yeah he was a bit of a palabra talker. He could get round people. He yeah. could manipulate people, Polly. Yeah, and his wife was one of the nicest women. I'd ever, ever met. Yeah. You know, she'd invited me out to tea. She didn't even know any of this was going on. Yeah, yeah. She didn't know none of it was going on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and he spoke to me and he wanted to say, forget it all. <laughs> I just said, bullshit. No chance. No way, no. <laughs> this is not happening. Yeah. <laughs> and told him what I thought of him, which we're not allowed to say these days. But anyway, yeah. I did tell him that. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And that's how you left it.
1: That's how we left it. Yeah. Amazing.
0: Yeah. Amazing story. What an amazing horse too Oh he
1: was Look um, He would run you Well I'll never forget uh, The day he won the 1400 At uh, Flemington He ran his first half mile In 46 and a half Yeah Stephen Riddler rode him He carried nine stone two Uh, And he ran home his uh, Last 634 and a half
0: That's good going
1: Hey Back then Yeah Absolutely Tracks weren't anywhere near as good Yeah We're talking 40 years ago
0: Yeah that's right
1: you know what I mean? It, it's yeah, unbelievable. Um, yeah, you you just never had horses who could do that. Yeah, you know? yeah. like we had old Well, they they see she used to run fifty eight for uh five furlongs. Yeah, you know that had some sensational sprinters. Yeah, um, Valandry. You know, look, Valandry was. He was a record breaker, you know, uh, and and they were all sprinters, you know. They were by those those two were by velvet, but Grace Apai was by bloody something that you'd never heard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of uh, something that never got fed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, Unreal. Yeah. And and he just come along. He he was isn't, just a freak.
0: Isn't it? You know, like Colin Chandler, you mentioned him before. He's just been involved, you know, like in horse racing in this in this area for such a long time. You know, he just got such a good eye and a good feel for a horse, hasn't he? You know, like for oh, that, yeah. those early days yep. to be able to come to you and say, hey, listen, you got a yep. good horse here.
1: Yep. Yep. No, Chandler done a great job. because he wasn't an easy horse to handle
0: yeah I reckon Colin would be a good one for this uh, bush Legends yeah no bush Racing Legends he would
1: be a great man a great man he's broken in for us ever since dad ever ever shifted to rank I reckon Colin would only been about 14 when he started breaking in yeah he took over from Bill Hurley yeah and uh, he's broke 99% Ninety-nine percent of our horses, in ever since, mm, I
0: think he's done a lot in this town. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, no, he has.
0: Radish, I've enjoyed the chat so much. It's uh, amazing, and I think it's important that these stories are preserved, um, you know, and told, and you know, generations to come can kind of sit back and have a listen to what racing was like back in the day. You're an absolute legend, mate, uh, in in circles around the southwest, and and just to hear some of these stories today, it's been fantastic, mate, and I appreciate uh, you sitting down to have. Uh, have a little bit of a chin, cha- a chin wag with me.
1: Not not worry, Matty. It's been great.
0: Yeah, we going to have a beer after this or what?
1: No, certainly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Go
1: you, good thing. <laughs>